Luke chapter 10, we'll be in verses 38 through 42. Uh, it's a joy to be with you here this morning. As, as Russ mentioned, uh, I first was connected with High Point in 2013. Uh, when I came here, I was smaller, I was younger, beardless, wifeless, and childless. Uh, and I'm not saying that you get those things when you start coming to Park Hills. I'm just saying that so that you understand uh, the relationship with Park Hills has been a long one and, and a joyous one. I'm, I'm thankful to be here this morning. I told Samuel uh, that I apologize that it's under the circumstances that I'm here this morning, but I'm thankful to hear that he and his family are doing well and that he looks forward to being back with you all next week. Uh, most phones today have... Uh, an, an app or something that will let you know how much screen time you have consumed this past week. Uh, some phones will even uh, break it down and tell you exactly how much time was spent on certain apps on your phone to help keep you accountable to how much time you spend on your device. Uh, even driving in this morning, my phone buzzed and it was telling me how much time I had spent. And uh, I'm happy to admit this was a lower week for me, so I'm very thankful to God for that. Um, and my guess is most of us would, would not appreciate to share those stats with other people. We don't usually want to brag about how much time we spend on our phone. But my guess is also that if our Bible were to pop up with how much word time you've had this week, we'd be embarrassed for that as well, but for different reasons. You see, we live in a time where it is all too easy to be distracted and pulled away from the word of God and to be distracted and pulled away from our time spent with Jesus. And if we're not cautious, it could be a time where the words of Jesus begin to get drowned out or even worse, twisted by the other voices we have in our lives, whether it be news sites or news uh, channels or coworkers or friends or even worse, family members. Even good and honorable tasks could be distractions for us. Things that we would promote and, and tell people to be doing, they could distract us from time spent with Jesus. And in our text this morning is a somewhat familiar text. It's two sisters, Mary and Martha, who are very well known in the Gospels. Uh, we read that Jesus himself was a close friend to the family. And in our text this morning, Jesus arrives at their home and begins to teach. And though we'll only be in five verses, we're given a very clear picture of the necessity of the words of Jesus in the life of his disciples. Let's look at Luke chapter 10 beginning in verse 38. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the, feet of Je at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. This is the word of the Lord for us this morning. I have one encouragement from our text this morning, just one encouragement, and that encouragement to you would be, sit at the feet of Jesus because what he has to say is good. Sit at the feet of Jesus, because what he has to say is good. To find someone sitting at the feet of Jesus was to find a follower of him eager and ready 
to hear what he had to say. Mary is doing this very thing in our text. Look again at verse 39. Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But also notice what's said about Martha. She's actually introduced to us in a very positive light as well. And this is the part of the story we don't typically remember about Martha. Look at verse 38. Martha welcomed Jesus into her house. Luke makes a, makes a point to make it very clear that Martha is the one who has invited Jesus into the home. This is important for us because it adds clarity how to understand exactly what's going on in the story. This is not a story about one sister who loves Jesus and another who finds him an inconvenience. This is not a story about one sister who's a follower of Christ and another one who has yet to repent and follow Jesus. It's not about a sister who recognizes who Jesus is and the other sister is oblivious to him. No, both sisters are disciples of Jesus Christ. Mary wants to sit at her Savior's feet and listen to what he has to say, while Martha wants to serve her Savior and those who have come with him. You see, we also can't forget that just because Luke only identifies three specific people in the story, that they're the only three there. They're not the only three there. Jesus, we know from the gospel, rarely traveled alone. And in fact, the gospel writers tend to make a point for us when he is alone or when he, when he is with only a few people. It says things like Jesus himself went or Jesus, James and John went away or Peter went with Jesus away or Jesus and the 12 who were there with him. There's usually some detail given to highlight the smaller number who are there with Jesus. So knowing that and in connection with details that are given just a few verses earlier about the 72 disciples who have been sent out and they have now returned to Jesus, it's safe to say that there's probably a good number of people who have come to Martha's house with Jesus. It's not just Jesus, Martha, and Mary. We don't know exactly how many people were there, but we do know that it wasn't a small group. And this would give some weight to the point that Luke gives us in our text that Martha was distracted with much serving. That's very key that she's distracted with much serving. Martha welcomes Jesus and his group into her home. Jesus sits down and begins to teach the group. Mary jumps to the front row to hear what Jesus has to say. And Martha slowly starts to feel the pressure of making sure that all these people are cared for. I mean, wouldn't that be you if it was your home? Jesus is there with a lot of his followers. You, you start feeling the pressure of, well, I need to make sure everybody's taken care of. And at the very least, she wants to make sure Jesus is taken care of. This is where her hospitality kicks in, and she begins to, as the text says, serve much. She starts making sure there's enough food for everyone. She's getting drinking water because they must be thirsty from their long travels. She's making sure everybody has a seat. She's opening windows and doors to make sure there's a breeze in the home. She's probably washing feet as it was a custom back then. If anything, we should look at Martha and see her as a model of hospitality. And part of the trouble we feel reading this text is, well, isn't Martha actually doing what Jesus would be wanting her to do? Isn't this what we're supposed to do? From which Martha would give a hearty amen. Yes, you should. 
I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if you were to read this text and start scratching your head because in the back of the mind you're hearing things repeated like Mark 10.45. Be a servant to all, for not even the Son of Man came to be, to serve, to be served but to serve. Or maybe Romans 12.13, seek to show hospitality. I mean, even a few verses earlier in Luke, Jesus rebukes a man who has invited him into his home but has, has failed to show good hospitality. And so we're left wondering, well, what's the problem? Martha is doing what Jesus has instructed his followers to do. But thankfully, as God usually does in his word, he gives us the answer. The text says that it's Mary who's sitting at the Lord's feet and listening to the teaching. But then it contrasts Martha with Mary by saying she's distracted with much serving. And then later, Jesus tells Martha... One thing is necessary, and Mary's actually chosen the good portion. See, Martha's serving is contrasted with Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus and listening to his words. She was distracted and neglected the one thing necessary in the Christian life. Giving time to sit at the feet of Jesus and soak in what he has to say. The perceived needs surrounding her were dragging her, were pulling her away from what was necessary. She had welcomed Jesus in, but what she thought were more important responsibilities pulled her away from being with him. And that phrase, distracted with much serving, distracted with much serving, that is a scary one for us as believers. You see, we can deceive ourselves into thinking that we're pleasing the Lord with our efforts when come to realize, we've realized we're realizing that we've actually just pushed him away in attempts to do the tasks well and efficiently. I mean, how can we share the gospel well if we're rarely seeking to know Jesus better through his word? How can you parent well if you've neglected to pray well? How can you encourage someone else's soul if you haven't first had your own soul encouraged by time spent sitting at the feet of Jesus? How well will you practice patience and forgiveness if you're not continually reading about God's patience and forgiveness towards you? And pastors of Park Hills, I, and any brothers who might desire to be an elder here, I just want to encourage you that one of the greatest blessings the church can have is a group of elders who are devoting themselves to sitting at the feet of Jesus and listening to his teaching. Fellow elders, may serving the congregation here at Park Hills not come at the expense of time spent first and foremost with Jesus. The best place a church member can find their pastors is sitting at the feet of Jesus, soaking in his word. But again, Martha's hospitality is not the problem. Her neglect of Jesus is the problem. And I can't fault Martha for this. I mean, this honestly would have been me in the story. I think about times where we've had birthday parties for our children. I get so wrapped up in making sure that everybody is cared for, that there's drinks, that the food is done, that the presents are where they need to be, that we're keeping schedule because we've got to get everybody out of here on time, and, and that the, you know, the food has arrived, and that people are getting to know one another. I get so consumed with that that I... You know, they leave, the party's over, and my wife's saying, Man, it was such a blessing to see so-and-so here. And I'm thinking, they were here? I didn't talk to them. And I can't come up with the list of people who actually showed up because I didn't spend any time talking to anybody. I was so wrapped up in making sure they were cared for. 
And you might have experienced something like this, whether it's at a kid's birthday party or maybe you get invited to a dinner party or something and you're at somebody's house with a group of people and you don't even get to talk to the person who invited you because they've been so busy making sure everybody's plate is set and the food is ready and the food's good and everybody's drink is refilled and the temperature in the house is good and, and they just want to make sure that you're cared for and you're enjoying and you're having a good time and you realize, I didn't really even get to talk to so-and-so and they invited me over. This was Martha. She may have started out by listening to Jesus teach, but the overwhelming weight of needing to serve, needing to get things done, all of that began to drown Jesus out. Her serving pulled her away from his presence and into the face of self-righteousness. She was certain she was the one sister doing the right thing in the eyes of Jesus. She was confident. And this shows up in what she says to, say, says to Jesus. Look at, look at verse 40 again. She, she goes up to Jesus in verse 40. She went up and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me alone to serve? Tell her then to help me. I mean, Martha has some guts. To march up to Jesus in the middle of his teaching... And just declare, do you even care? She doesn't pull him aside quietly and softly and ask his thoughts on the situation. She doesn't go up to Mary first and kind of ask for some help. No, when the text says she went up to Jesus, it's implying there was a directness to what she was doing. He's teaching, she goes up to him and says, don't you care? She, offers, she hurls two accusations and then gives one demand. Jesus, don't you care? Obviously, my sister doesn't care. She's left me alone to do this by myself. Now, can you just tell her to get to work? And just from what she says, you know wholeheartedly she believes she's in the right. She knows Jesus is about to back her up. She knows that Jesus is going to say, Martha, I'm so sorry. I didn't realize that. Thank you for all you're doing. Mary, I need to rebuke you. But how does Jesus respond? Look at verse 41. It's not the response Martha was looking for. The Lord answered her, Martha, Martha. If you get your name repeated, that's not a good sign. Martha, Martha. You are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. And Mary, she's chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. This, these are good words that we need to hear this morning. These are absolutely good words we need to hear this morning. Jesus exposes the faulty thinking of Martha. Martha had the choice. Sit at the feet of Jesus and listen to his teaching. Or choose what she thinks is more pressing. What's more necessary. More important to her. She thought, I can listen later, but who's going to feed these people now? Her priorities are off. 
Jesus had a word for his disciples to hear, and Martha didn't have time to sit and listen to what he had to say. What Jesus had to say wasn't nearly as important as what Martha had to get done. And what good did it do? Jesus makes it very clear. All this time spent trying to make sure people are cared for, trying to be the good host of the home, trying to show hospitality, it left her filled with anxiety and it troubled her. She felt alone and she was embittered towards her sister. And honestly, she was embittered towards Jesus. You see, when you neglect time spent sitting, sitting with and listening to Jesus, the needs and the responsibilities surrounding you no longer are an opportunity to glorify him. They instead become means of self-justification. And this is, what, this is what Martha did. The cares of the moment pulled her away from Jesus and eventually caused her to push against him. She fully believed she was, she was going to be in the right in Jesus' eyes. And when his actions or inactions in her mind didn't match what she believed, she confronts and accuses Jesus of not caring. You can start to see how your beliefs can be twisted when you neglect time with Jesus. I mean, think about the sad irony of the story. Jesus is in her home giving, speaking life-giving words. And she walks up, interrupts, and says, do you even care? That's a sad irony. Jesus trying to give these life-giving words to people. And Martha has to say, I don't think you truly care. Jesus wasn't saying the things she was doing were bad. Jesus was was saying those things, they can wait. There's something that's more necessary at this time. And Christian, you, you and I, we face the same decision today. Are we going to sit at the feet of Jesus, or do we think we're too busy right now? I mean, when was the last time your alarm went off in the morning and you rolled over with joy and said, "Ah, I can spend some time in prayer now? When was the last time you couldn't wait to sit down and open the word of God and, and you couldn't wait to pray the words like the psalmist, open my eyes that I may behold the wondrous things out of your word? I mean, if you read a paragraph of scripture every time you checked your social media or your email or your text messages. How quickly would you read through the entire Bible? How often do you talk about your need to spend time in the word the same way you talk about your need for coffee? And I just want to make a side note real quick. Don't neglect time in word and prayer and think you'll make up for it by podcasting sermons from good preachers or reading good devotionals or good theology books. That's like me saying, my wife and I never really talk, but I keep up with her calendar so I know what's going on. And obviously I would know if something was wrong. It's not the same. We need to take up the word and read it and soak it in. And then we need to talk with our elder brother Jesus through prayer. It's necessary to spend time at the feet of Jesus. 
And Jesus makes it clear to Martha and to us that there are many things that will cause us anxiety and trouble, but there is only one thing that is necessary. There's nothing more important in the disciples' life than to sit with Jesus and listen. However, we would be wrong to leave this morning thinking, okay, the preacher just said, I just need to spend more time in my Bible this week. That's not the point. You see, we don't struggle with being in the Word because we have a bad reading plan or because we're lazy. We struggle because our view of Jesus has been diminished by the pressing needs surrounding us. Those distractions have shrunk Jesus so small in our mind that we don't think he's necessary right now. These other things need to be dealt with first. We become so accustomed and and comfortable with the distractions that drag our attention away from Jesus that we are deeply affected when we approach the Word of God and how we approach the Word of God. Because our reality has become one where everything boils down to what I need to get done, we approach the Word, whether it's personal reading, small groups, Bible studies, or even preaching, sitting under the preaching on Sunday morning, we come to the word with the attitude, okay, just tell me what I need to do. All right, Jesus, give me the checklist of things I need to get done this week. Just let me know what I need to do, Jesus, what action steps are needed. But instead, what we really should desire when we approach the word, when we step up to sit at the feet of Jesus, is we need to be reminded of who he is and what he's done. Every time I open the word, I should want the spirit to reveal Jesus to me in a way that reorients my desires to what's right. In a way that renews my passion to see Jesus exalted in every area of my life. In a way that refreshes of my soul after being weighed down with all the distractions of the week. I should want the spirit to to show Jesus to me in a way that helps me fight the pull of those distractions and to say no to those so that I can give proper time to what's necessary and that draws me to seek the good portion of Jesus. You see, by approaching the Bible in this way, by approaching time spent with Jesus, sitting at his feet, hearing what he has to say, Serving wouldn't be considered a distraction anymore. It would be a humble response of a restful soul that's found peace in the Savior's words. Christians, turn the news sites off. Turn the the news channel off. Log out of your social media. Put your phone away. Take your smartwatch off and sit and be with Jesus. Because that is the good portion. That is the one thing that is necessary. Just be with Jesus and hear what he has to say. Listen to him. See, we are called to choose the good portion as Mary did. Mary had chosen the good portion. This language of portion is an echo of, in Scripture where it's basically meaning it's, it's used to show the closeness with God. It's, it's used to be in the presence with God. This is why Jesus says Mary has chosen the good portion. She's chosen to prioritize being with Jesus than just serving him. 
She didn't just choose to sit and listen to Jesus. She sat and listened to Jesus because it meant she was getting Jesus. Mary had chosen closeness with God. You see, sitting at his feet and listening to Jesus wasn't beneficial just because what Jesus had to say was a good teaching. It was a good sermon. No doubt it was, but it was necessary in primary because it was Jesus speaking. When Jesus speaks, you listen. Why? Because he's Jesus. He's the one through who all things were made. He's the one who's before all things. He is the head of the church. He himself is the mercy of God. He is the one who called you out of the darkness of your sin and into his kingdom. He is your advocate before the heavenly father. He is your righteousness. He is the propitiation for your sins. And not least of all, he is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the power of his word. And it's through Jesus that we hear God speak. Isn't this who you want to hear from? Isn't this the one voice you should want to hear speak constantly? Do you consider it necessary to be with Jesus and hear him speak? Is it a necessity in your life? Why would we ever be too busy to sit at the feet of Jesus and hear what he has to say to his, his people? We need his words because we need him. There's some kids in the room. So, so kids, I want to I say a word to you. Jesus wants you to know him. Jesus wants you to know his love and his care for you. That's what Jesus wants. Jesus wants you to know that. Jesus wants you to know how special you are to him. And Jesus left you a gift so that you can know him. Jesus left you a gift so that you can know all of this. And it's a simple Sunday school answer. The Bible. Jesus wants you to spend time sitting at his feet, hearing his word. And when you read your Bible, you are actually praising God. But another way that you can bring God praise is by helping your mom and your dad spend time with Jesus, too. Ask your mom and dad what they're reading in their Bible and ask them to explain it to you. When you see them reading their Bible, remember, whatever you need in that moment, it can wait. Because your mom and dad need just as much time with Jesus as you do, if not more. When they spend time with Jesus, it's actually one way you know that they love you. Because they're prioritizing time with Jesus. Christian, we all need Jesus' words because we all need him. We need to find delight sitting at the feet of Jesus now so that we find delight standing before him in eternity. In John chapter 6, after saying some really hard things and seeing some disciples turn back and no longer walk with him, Jesus turns to the 12 and he tells them this. Do you want to go as well? A lot of followers leave Jesus after he says some pretty hard things and he looks at the 12 and says, are you going to go too? And Simon Peter has a good answer. 
to whom are we supposed to go? It says, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. And then in John 17, we know that Jesus says he is, to know him is to know eternal life. See, Mary desiring to sit at the feet of Jesus and hear the sweet words of his teaching that would bring sweet relief to her soul was soaking in the words of life. And she knew that that was going to be a life that would not be taken from her. And this is the promise that Jesus leaves, leaves us, leaves Martha, leaves Mary, leaves those listening. He leaves them with this promise at the end of our text. This is something believers can cling to and rest in for the rest of their life. Look at, look at that last promise in verse 42. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. The good portion which Mary had chosen will not be taken away from her. The good portion of Jesus that you choose will not be taken away from you. All of God's promises come to reality in Christ Jesus, and those promises will not be taken away. Mary knew that. Martha learned that. And we hear that this morning, and we have to decide, do we believe that? Jesus says in John chapter 10, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. And no one, absolutely no one, will snatch them out of my hand. Are you listening to him? Ask yourself this morning, am I following him? Do I believe that there is nothing that will separate me from the love of God? Is sitting at the feet of Jesus and hearing what he has to say a necessity in my life? Do I prioritize that over everything? Christian, you are, the Lord is yours and you are the Lord's. That is a promise found in scripture. Distractions pulled Martha's attention away from Jesus and it gave birth to anxiety. It gave birth to trouble. It produced bitterness to those around her and to Jesus himself. Mary's attention was set on the teachings of Jesus, and it promised her peace, rest, blessedness, and life. And now some of you may feel like Martha probably felt after Jesus' response. Maybe you feel... And realize, I've, I've been too distracted, even with good things. I haven't focused on the one thing that is necessary in my Christian walk, in my life. I have felt anxious and I have felt troubled about many things. I need to see Jesus better. And maybe you're feeling, I, I want to sit at his feet and listen to his teaching, but I feel very rebuked this morning. Because of what he has said. To you, Jesus says, 
Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Christian, prioritize time sitting at the feet of Jesus because what he has to say is good and it is necessary for you to make it in this Christian life, to make it to the end. Let's pray. God, we do thank you for your word. We ask for forgiveness for where we have prioritized things above you, for where we haven't seen time spent sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to what he has to say as necessary as other things in our lives, where we've allowed distractions to drown out the words of Jesus, to drown out the promises that you've given your people. We confess we have become troubled and we have become anxious about many things, but we have neglected time with the one thing that is necessary in our lives, and that is with time spent listening to Jesus. We ask that you would, by your spirit, refresh our souls this morning. Stir in us a hunger and a thirst to hear what Jesus has to say in our daily lives. And would we prioritize that? And would we treasure Christ above all things and push distractions away and cling to Jesus and what he has to say because they are the words from you. They are eternal life. Would we treasure that? And would people see that your word, that time spent with Jesus is a necessity in our lives? And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.